Matthew 5, verse 5. I'm going to give you two versions. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, and God blesses those people who are humble. The earth will belong to them. Let's pray. Oh Lord, let us open our ears, not to just hear words, but to hear your words spoken through Alistair. Bless his words and let them reach our hearts, our ears, our eyes, and every part of us. Amen. This is Andrews, is God's word. In our summer series of messages on the Sermon on the Mount, which I have called the Jesus Manifesto. Uh, it's Jesus' values for his countercultural revolution. And forgive the recap, but uh, in today's age, people come, sometimes come not every week. Uh, and so they miss a few weeks. So sometimes it's just, and, this, and Jesus is on a flow here, so it's important you get the flow. Uh, because each of them are building blocks of what Jesus is trying to do. So week one, in Matthew's Gospel, uh, takes this view of Jesus being God with us, Emmanuel, but he also takes this view and where he gives connections between Jesus and Moses. And he's making a portrait, because the Jewish audience think Moses is absolutely awesome. So he's saying Jesus is a new and better Moses. And you see Matthew makes these connections, and then he's almost like a parallel. And the Sermon on the Mount is he makes the parallel just with Moses when he climbed up Mount Sinai and brought the Ten Commandments, which is the preeminent teaching of the Old Covenant. Here in the New Covenant, Jesus, the Jesus Manifesto, the sermon he brings, is the preeminent teaching of the New Testament. And so many people say, you know, what's the most famous sermon Jesus people gave? And people say, oh, it's the Sermon on the Mount, if you know anything about it. And Matthew would say, you're absolutely right. You are bang on. This is the preeminent teaching of Jesus Christ. And then the second week, we had a look at those who are poor in spirit, how, uh, 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 putting it, uh, no fine, those who recognize that they're sinners. Um, you know, I know that's not a, necessarily a nice thing to say, but that's basically what Jesus is getting at. Those who acknowledge that they are morally broken and fallen. And Jesus says, it is to those people who acknowledge their spiritual state for whom is the kingdom of heaven. Acknowledging our spiritual poverty means acknowledging our sin. And I quoted the ancient hymn from the Rock of Ages, 1775, written that was written. I know we don't do hymns at the second service, but you know, back in the first service, I love this stuff. Uh, it's nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked I come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul and dirty I to the fountain fly, wash me, Saviour, or I... Oh, few, few of you know it. And so that is spiritual poverty. Empty hands, trusting in Jesus Christ. And then Jesus goes on, and it's the next one. Blessed are those who mourn. And Jesus is on a, on a thing here. And he's now, he's not talking about, it's very appropriate you know, to give to people who are in a difficult situation, mourning the loss of a loved one, to say blessed are those who mourn. It's appropriate. I'm not saying it isn't. But in its context, Jesus is getting at those mourning their spiritual state. Mourning their moral brokenness, looking back at their lives, the decisions they've made, and mourning this, this state and what, what they have done. And it's for those people who acknowledge their spiritual poverty and mourn it, they will receive comfort. So it effectively, it goes from confession to contrition. There's some people who can, who can have confession, I've mucked up, but it's another thing to have a crushed and broken heart over one's actions. And so the, the, in Jesus' crazy upside-down kingdom, he's saying, happy are the un unhappy. It's sort of crazy, confronting, confusing. 
And it's definitely offending to anyone who thinks that they have a moral riches of their own moral worth. If you come here this morning thinking, I'm morally awesome, I am kicking butt with my own moral goodness, I do not need God, then the Beatitudes, you just, you will not like the Beatitudes because Jesus' kingdom is turning it all upside down. And so this morning, he continues this, he's going on a, on a theme here, and for those that acknowledge their spiritual poverty, who are in a state of contrition over what all their life and where their life's at, then he says this, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So this morning, no PowerPoint this morning, but you don't need it, just follow along. What is meekness? Alright, what is meekness? What is the strength of meekness? And what is the reward of the meek? So firstly, what is meekness? Now stick with me for the next couple of minutes. It's not necessarily going to be the most riveting. Do a bit of a Bible study on meekness. But if you stick with me, there's reward here. Alright, so stay with me. What is meekness? The NLT version, was really good, Jill actually brought it out, uses the word humble. Right? So what, and, and humility is a pretty close parallel. That's why most modern versions use that. But it's not exactly the same. Perhaps it's also a sort of a calm, restrained composure in a, in a, in a way that you, you're not easily riled up and you're, and you're uh, 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 kind on your actions to others. So it's gentleness as well. So I've put the two English words to get the Greek word. Is It's a humble gentleness. Alright, so that's what we're going to have a look at just a little bit. And then we're going to see from that what is the power and strength of it. So it's a humble, that the humble gentleness is the closest thing to look at meekness. So humility is an attitude we have towards oneself, which others can see. It's an attitude of not being self-absorbed, prideful, boasting. Humility is an ability to put others ahead of yourself. And so, uh, you know, uh, if, if um, someone, like a couple of times, and this sounds really, really lame, but it's really prideful, I was hoping to, you know, they were looking at speakers for certain things, and I was overlooked. I mean, how could they possibly overlook me? I'm awesome at speaking. <laughs> and so I was suddenly going, why did they pick me? Now, that is not humility. <laughs> right? Just point, that's the opposite of humility. So I'll give an example, right? So that was a prideful spirit. What, you, you think you're awesome? Where's the spiritual poverty? Where's the contrition over that? No, it is good that others are getting a shot. Down you go, right? And so it's acknowledging that because I was saying, I was just, you know, there's internal mental dialogue, right, that you just have in your head. And so the answer is humility. It's just a recognition of oneself, right? So gentleness is the actions that come from a person with humility, right? And so you, it's, it's a sense of the way that they interact with others. So check out the New Testament here, how it uses Stay with me here, because we get to this. This is really important. It paves the way to point two. So this is how the New Testament uses the word meekness. Uh, James 1.21, this is the NKJV version. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. All right? The same word meekness is the same word in, in Greek that Jesus uses. NIV, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Same Greek word, the New Testament is written in Greek. Same word that Jesus uses. So in this context, meekness is an internal attitude of humility to the word of God. If you want to receive anything from God's word this morning, then having a spirit of discernment is important because I'm not perfect. I can get things wrong. Any person who speaks, we should be discerning whether what they are saying is true. But also, we need an attitude of humility. This is one, one way one person put it. 
In the context, talking about this text here, hearing the word of God, meekness surely means something like teachability or readiness to submit to God's word. The opposite of receiving the word with meekness would be to receive it suspiciously because you doubt it's true or good, or receive it partially because you want to reserve the right to pick and choose which part you want to follow, or to receive it with a sort of a self-assurance, I can understand, I can do this without God's merciful help. But James says, in contrast to that, receive it with meekness. When you open the Bible, you say to God, I trust you, I submit to you, I need you to help me. Incline my heart to love your word. Open my eyes to see the greatness of what is really there. Satisfy my soul with the glory of Christ revealed in this word. I bow, I yield to the supreme truth and value of this in all meekness and lowliness. I look to you. I wait for you. Come to me through your word. My Savior, my Lord and my God and my friend. You are my highest treasure. That's a meek way of receiving the implanted word, and that's, that's from John Piper. So in other words, meekness is an internal attitude of humility. One has it, an openness to learn, and their openness to being corrected without being offended. And then, this, and then also the second part is gentleness. Jesus writing into, into Jerusalem, this is Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, but lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Scott Swain says that the other half of meekness, which is gentleness, is, is this is uh, what it is. Firstly, to understand what it's not. Gentleness is not a personality type. Both all sorts of personalities uh, can be a call to exhibit biblical gentleness. Gentleness is not a stoic lack of emotion. Gentleness is the moderation of emotion, not its, its absence. Gentleness is not mere niceness. The gentle person is not someone who's never disagreeable, someone who never upsets the status quo. In fact, there's a kind of niceness that's the counterfeit form of true and godly gentleness. So gentleness is a form of temperance or moderation. It, it, it tempers our anger, our wrath, and our desire for vengeance when we, we, we suffer or witness injustice. And because it's a sort of form of te temperance, it's, it's, it's distinct from self-control. So self-control, the guy gives the, uh, Scott Swain gives the analogy of a Doberman. Self-control is like the bit that you put over the Doberman. Arr, can't open its mouth to go, you know, attack something, right? While, while gentleness is putting the Doberman on a leash. It's just trotting very nicely along and very, being very well behaved. It's got strength and energy, but it's gentle. That's gentleness, right? So gentleness... Uh, self-control is, 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 is more than, gentleness is more than self-control, it's more than self-restraint, it is self-mastery. Alright, are you with me? That's the first point, that's explaining what it is. So first, what is meekness? It is a combination of humble, restrained gentleness. Now secondly, what is the power of meekness that you can have this morning unleashed into your life that can make a difference in the way you relate to people? Well, the first strength is teachability. God's word is full of promises, and some of them require effort to learn and apply, and every single one of them requires humility. So for example, in my first point, what is meekness? What you heard was possibly not the most inspiring five minutes of public communication you've ever heard from me. Good. 
Because Paul said, when, when Corinthians are writing about Paul, they said his sermons were weak and contemptible. His letters were great, but his sermons. But they had spiritual pride. So when you come to a sermon, you don't want to come to hear a TED talk. You don't want to come to hear you have your ears tickled. You want, when you have a meek spirit, you come and we're sitting on the edge of your seat saying, Lord, I want to hear from your scriptures. Through the, through the imperfections of whoever's presenting it, through the power of the Holy Spirit. It, it's in a world of quick fixes and decreasing attention spans, we desperately need churches with a discerning, meek approach to the Word of God. If you're quick to tune it out, if, this, if, you're, if your heart is, I don't want to know or care about meekness, then the power of meekness will not be accessible to you. Meekness gives you the power to access the, all the riches of God. The meek hear from God. The meek are teachable. The meek grow because they want to hear from God. So if you have a meek spirit, then you would have got the first thing, and you'll be, you'll be on the way, and there'll be actually a heart that you have for the word of God that will transform your life. So if you have a meek spirit, you're blessed because day by day, you'll be growing in God's wisdom. And that is incredible power. All these promises of God's word are accessible because of your meekness. So the second power of meekness is a resiliency to offence. Meekness is a calmness. It's a mastery of your emotions and passions. It's, it's, not, it's having a, an, a, a resilient ego that's not easily offended. Right? You know, how many times you just heard someone say something and you just get really riled and offended? And you just like worked up and you think about it all day? Maybe just me. Right? That, that's how I operate. Right? Well, meekness is not that. Right? And so meekness is an ability to actually just go, you know what? I've said what they've said, but I, I entrust myself to you. I humble myself. And Lord, what, what have they said about me that's actually true? Because often there's stuff that, they, that people will say about me that's a cr critical, and it could come in a, in a nasty or harsh way. And if I have meekness to it, if I come with a humble spirit, I actually can receive that and be changed. So it's not a lack of emotion. I feel, you feel the anger if you're meek. You feel the, the hurt but you're not mastered by it. Right? And so it's, it's, it's a, a form of temperance. So the meek don't have an easily bruised ego. They don't have a wounded spirit that's constantly offended and always seeking praise. Do you know people like that? They're constantly being offended. You know, a, a person said, I'm offended. The other person quipped, you're not offended. You're an offense waiting to happen. Uh, and so uh, while the person was getting it, which I shouldn't have said, but you're always offended about this or that. You're an offense waiting to happen. And so a meek person is not that. They have an ability to actually take a little bit of rough and tumble and they humble themselves. Right? They're like the dog that walks along, just, just gently walking along. I just think of, uh, and this has been myself in, in such pastoral situations, I, I thank the good Lord that I'm not a, a, a marriage counsellor or a counsellor that, that, that deals with that. I just, I, but occasionally, over 20 years of ministry, I've done biblical uh, Bible studies with people. And I have to say, you have the couples come, and there's been a numerous over the life, so I'm not talking to any particular one here. It's over 20 years of, of ministry. And they come, they come often in two ways. And this has been my, my notice, and there's a number of them. So I often have, and this has been 90% of the time, one of them or both of them come with this attitude that the other person's all to blame. So spouse one will say, I'm really glad that we're going to be coming together because you can work on spouse B and get them to change their attitude because they've got all these problems. And once you fix them, then my marriage is going to be so much better. Right? That's pretty much the attitude. I've got no problem. They've got all the problem. You fix them. And they, come, they don't say it quite like that, but that is definitely the attitude. 
And there's no sense in which, and if, if you say anything that could potentially correct them based off the word of God, they become angry and offended. And I've had people come at me and go, like this, like this. They, they, they don't want to hear. Then that's, that's often how people are. Lack of meekness, lack of teachability, lack of correction, lack of ability to acknowledge one's spiritual poverty, have contrition which mourns one's spiritual state, so therefore you can have a teachable spirit to hear from the word of God. Then there are people who actually come and say, you know what? I'm actually coming because I'm actually broken and I want to change. And when they come with that humble heart, it is world of, world of difference. And I have to say, this is tough for me. It's easy for me to acknowledge I'm a sinner. It's easy to say I need to mourn my sin. But when someone comes to me, and this is usually how it goes, Alistair, I need to have a talk. Has anyone had that sort of those words? And you know you're in for the high jump. Has anyone had that? And then what do you do? You feel defensive, prideful, what have I done now? All these swirling emotions, lack of meekness is, is the issue. How about humble, I humble myself. This is what I'm learning to do in situation. I humble my heart, Lord. I humble myself right now. Give me a meek heart. Pilgrim's Progress was written by John Bunyan in the 1600s. The author... Uh, was in and out of jail pretty much for most of his life. Most of his life was in jail. Incredible story of, of deprivation. And he was in jail because he wanted to have Bible studies and preaching. It wasn't through the established church. And one time he was out of jail, he was holding a little of a Bible study, and the constable came to him and said, I'm going to crush your church like a bug. And John Bunyan's response was this, it may be so. Just a meek response. Yep, you may crush it like a bug. They're not, oh, you won't, you know, not all this victorious stuff. Yep, it may be so. And he, and he was in jail. But in jail, he wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, which was the bestseller every year for a whole hundred years. And The Pilgrim's Progress was about the battles that the Christian goes through, the pilgrim goes through on their journey to the celestial city. And incredible analogies in, in, of, of our life and the struggles we go through. And it transformed the lives of hundreds of thousands of people well beyond that nameless constable who lived and died. The meek have an ability of not being riled by government, by threats of people, by situations, by work situations. They're, they're above the fray and they're focused on honouring our Lord and they're serving him and, the, and they, there's a power in that. And so what is the reward of the meekness? What is this? So firstly, what is meekness? Gentle humbleness. Secondly, what's the power of it? Just gone through that. Thirdly, what is the reward of the meek? Well, this week, I've had the rare privilege of taking Neil Collins' funeral. Who was here, who was here at Neil Collins' funeral? A few people. Wasn't it amazing? Now, those who are here, does Neil fit the, the, um, at the funeral? Does Neil fit the thing of meek? Is that fair to say? I, I, I thought, ugh. Oh. This is, I just wanted to get some of the testimonies. We could have just re-videoed them and watched them. That would have been, Neil was just amazingly meek. And the, and the power of it, and so of his life, that had on his family, I had to say, I've been around his house and met him, and there was a lot I did not know about him until on Friday came. And I thought, man, oh man, what an amazing man. What a powerful testimony his life has had. Incredible. And so what is his reward? He will inherit the earth. Again, he will have an eternal reward. But there's also rewards here and now as well. Right? So what are some of the things that right now, this week, you can have as a reward if you pursue meekness in your life? Well, let me say this. There's a resiliency to offense. When you are resilient to offense, 
It is such a power. A person who can learn to master their anger and to master their ego. Or you think about you think about men. Think about how many wars have happened, how many people have died because some guy wasn't had his ego offended. All the honor killings, all the all the stuff that skirls around, all the CEOs who made rash decisions because of their ego. You know, we're gonna buy this company, we're gonna do this. Ego stuff. The meek will inherit the earth. Whether you're a CEO. Of a, of a large corporation, or whether you're just a, a humble housewife. Meekness gives rewards to it in the way that you go through life. Resiliency to offence. As much as it's up to them, they live at peace with others. I've seen people with meekness, with, and if they're single, divorced, or widowed, there's a, a, they receive these rich, lifelong relationships, really good friends. And if they're married, their marriages tend to be happier, more forgiving, and more beautiful. So if your marriage is, is really struggling at the moment, and you're in a tough place now, ask yourself this. Do I have a meek attitude to my spouse? Do I take correction? Right? I know when Catherine comes to me, Alistair, with sort of a certain tone, my instant response is not meekness. This goes against everything in the flesh. Right? I get it. But this is actually what the Lord is calling us to. We have to be oh, spiritually poor, acknowledging our state, mourning, contrition over it. And in that place, we can have a meek spirit and hear correction. And that gives a sense of being resilient to offences. We don't leave a trail of relational destruction where we go. Yes, there may be enemies from time to time. But we're not making them everywhere we go. Because meek people are offence resilient. Here's a question. Over the COVID time, as we navigated as a church, was meekness the preeminent value of St. Andrew's Church? Were we, were, was meekness coming out in the way we related to each other and the whole thing as we navigated COVID? It's in the fire that meekness is shown. World of difference between those who have a meek attitude. Real rewards. And I think that, so, this, so that's the one. Incredible. I think the other thing that we often find is that they, when they make... When they go through life, even sometimes the enemies can be at peace with them. Proverbs 16, 7, when the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes the enemies to make peace with them. Not all the time. The meek can be persecuted, like John Bunyan was. But there's a sense in which that even people who are offended or don't like the meek, because of the way they go about life, they just make less enemies. And even sometimes I've seen the enemies say, well, so-and-so's religious, I really don't like them, but I have to say that you know, they've got a peaceable attitude. You see that, that it's almost a backhanded compliment. They acknowledge their peaceable ways. Ignatius, the Bishop of Antioch in AD 110, he was on his way to Rome to face a horrible, painful death at the hands of the Roman Empire. He was to be the uh, guest of honour in the Colosseum uh, to be tortured to death in front of the crowds in Rome. That's why they were carrying him alive to the Colosseum rather than just killing him in Antioch. It is, as he was on his way in AD 110 to suffer a really difficult and painful death, being mocked and laughed at by in the Colosseum in Rome. Some of you have even been there. So that's where he died by hundreds of thousands of people. He wrote this letter, and it's on meekness, and I want to finish with this. And when he talks about there, he's talking about the Roman government and all the Roman crowds who are mocking him as he'll die. In response to their anger, be gentle and meek. In response to their boasts, be humble. In response to their lies and slander, offer prayers for them. In response to their errors, be steadfast in the faith. In response to their cruelty, be kind. In, resp in response to the kind, do not be eager to imitate them. 
Let us show by our forbearance that we are their brothers and sisters, and let us be eager imitators of the Lord. Like any blessing of the Beatitudes, this comes as a gift of God. If this week you try and become meek in your own strength, good luck with that. But if you say, Lord, I'm not meek. Lord, I lack meekness in my life, and that's how I start out. Lord, help me to have meekness. And when, and when that offense comes, when that difficult situation, and it will come, and everything riles in me that's not meek, Lord, in that moment, show your meekness through me. Give me a meek and a humble heart. For the meek will inherit the earth. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, as we've looked at what meekness is, the power and strength of it and the reward of it, I ask that this church would be a church that would grow in meekness. We would acknowledge our spiritual poverty. We would have a contrition over our hearts and our spiritual pride. And that we would come to you and to each other with a meek and humble heart. And Lord, we know this cuts against the grain. It cuts against migraine. Everything within me of the flesh cries out against meekness. And so I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, you would graciously come and we would enable us to freely humble ourselves under your mighty hand that we can receive the gift of meekness this week. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.